Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's sometimes important to remember that Twitter is free. That Twitter is for free, and you get to read statements like impeachment in the United States is broken. It has become a political tool, no longer functioning as a check on executive authority. One of the many signs that U.S. democracy is in trouble. Is that right? Now, all of a sudden, conversations about impeachment are a threat to democracy, showing that democracy is in trouble. As I responded to the tweet, I blame Adam Schiff. Don't you? Two impeachments of Donald Trump, both of which were unnecessary, all political. Impeachments can be political. The conversation of impeachment can be political. It's Schiff's fault. And Schiff, man, he's got no apology in him whatsoever. I think the Republican desire to impeach someone, anyone, uh, no matter whether there's any evidence, just shows how they have The Republican Party has descended into chaos regarding an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. First of all, man, he was winded. I am walking fast through those hallways. I don't I don't know which office building Schiff is in, but he's walking quick. It's the Republicans who have depend who have descended into chaos. You know, there's a whole theory. Uh, regarding the the Democratic Party, uh, accuse the other party of what you're doing. Put it on them. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I attribute it to Alinsky, Saul Alinsky and Rules for Radicals. It might just be straight up Marxism. Whatever it is, it's factual. And you can tell from Schiff that's exactly what they do. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? What is happening? Uh, make sure you get my new book, Let's Go Barbecue. Let's Go BBQ, available at Amazon.com. The second in the series. The first, Let's Go Bourbon. The second, Let's Go Barbecue. Recipes, tips, and tales from the pit, available at Amazon.com. Oh, I absolutely favor the impeachment inquiry. I don't care how upset Adam Schiff is. Who cares? You, you shouldn't. You should not bother yourself with what Adam Schiff is bothered by. Shift doesn't matter. He's just a guy blabbering into the wind, trying to get into the Senate and put this all behind him. Luckily for him, he's got people like Nancy Pelosi to prop him up. Let me applaud you, uh, Adam Schiff, whose name is synonymous with courage, with patriotism, with restoring the faith of the American people in our government. Their faith. And the governance, good governance, gives people hope about our country, its future, and their particular uh, challenges. Is that right? Show of hands. Wait, not if you're driving. If you're driving, hands on 10 and 2. Although I hear it's 9 and 3 now. Something about the airbags. I'm a 10 and 2 guy. Not going to change. 10 or 2 for life. Uh, Raise your hands. How many of you feel that Adam Schiff is synonymous with courage and patriotism? That's what I that's what I thought. I did not see a hand go up. Well, it, truthfully, I didn't see a hand go up. I mean, I'm I'm in a radio studio. What do you You know how this works? You know I'm not in the car with you, right? 
You know I'm not there in your earbuds at the moment. This is silliness. Don't pay any attention to Adam Schiff or anybody complaining about an impeachment inquiry. You can't trust the attorney general. They may have worked to slow down an investigation into Hunter Biden. You can't trust Joe Biden on this. The investigations into Hunter and his wrongdoings and then the possibility of taking bribes. So you can't trust the FBI. You need an impeachment inquiry from the House of Representatives in order to find out what's going on. I'm not saying it's going to lead to impeachment. I am saying that anybody who doesn't think there's enough here to take a look is just a liar. And of course, Adam Schiff is a liar. Impeachment in the United States is broken. Of course it is. But it's Adam Schiff's fault. And maybe the tool has to be used so people like Adam Schiff will learn. Right now, I just want an investigation. And that's going to come from an impeachment inquiry. And it doesn't matter who moans and whines and bitches about it. It's coming. It has to. I'm Tony Katz. I'm calling it drama, guys. I'm calling my marker. It's drama in Indianapolis for the Colts. Training camp begins. Shaquille Leonard is at camp, but is Shaquille Leonard playing? They told us he was going to be healthy uh, last year, played three games, maybe hurt himself worse. Then you've got Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, first-round draft pick. Everybody's excited. You picked the most athletic guy you could find, and now you tell us he might not be the starter until week 10. And then you have Jonathan Taylor, the star running back, the guy who might very well be the totality of the offense for the Colts this year, and it's a contract dispute. Who knows if he's even going to play? I mean, what exactly is Jim Irsay put together here? Or maybe better said, what has Jim Irsay allowed Chris Ballard, the general manager, to put together here? Or is it all just not as bad as I am making it out to be? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, good to be with you. Let me bring in JMV. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. The man knows more about this than I do, and he's wearing the Indiana State Sycamores hat, representing for the home team. Um, uh, let, let's start with, with Shaquille Leonard here. Uh, talk to me about how this injury has progressed with him and his back. He's showing up to camp. Um, should we expect him playing week one? I would. I would right now from yesterday. And again, yesterday was one practice, Tony, the first one up at Grand Park in Westfield. But considering he took about 90% of the time out there defensively. And you go back to what Chris Ballard said on Tuesday at noon when he met with the media. They said they were going to work him back in slowly. And honestly, that wasn't working him back slowly. I mean, that was actually getting him out there and seeing what, I guess, the early stages of camp and, and practice what he can do. So if there were good signs from yesterday, I don't think there's any question, Tony, about that. The best sign was that of Shaquille Leonard and the amount of reps that he took on a day in practice number one returning from injury when you thought maybe things were going to progress slowly. Yesterday, I thought everything was expedited, and Colts fans should be very happy to see that. We've... You know, when, when practice is different, certainly, than, than the game. Talk to me about what his, his injury is. And we've certainly heard the Colts say, oh, yeah, he's going to be back on the field. Yeah. Is it your take uh, from your uh, sources? Is anybody rushing this? Or is no. this a guy who's ready to go? No, he just feels good. He feels good. That's what he has said. He, he said he didn't feel himself when he was out there. Um, now he feels 
feels good. He didn't even feel himself, if you remember, going back a couple of years when he was a turnover machine. Um, and Tony talking about his injury, it's not a, a tear or a break or anything like that. It's It was nerve damage. And yeah, you don't know in a back situation what can happen there. Normally, when you talk about nerve situations like that, it's always bad. But that's so why I thought yesterday was such a big deal considering he was out there, he was moving around, he was 90% again of those snaps out there, he was a part of it and the team stuff and the individual drills. That was really good to see, again, for a guy that we hope that he's going to reach the level in which they believe he could when they signed him. And certainly for the past year, there's been a great deal of question mark as to whether or not he was going to be able to do that. So that brings us over to the quarterback position. Anthony Richardson. I mean, this pick right here got the fans crazy excited. Crazy excited. Everybody was happy. Everyone was like, my gosh, they went with the athletic guy. They went with the young guy. This is a fascinating move. And then you hear a probable starter maybe like week 10. What? why are we waiting? I mean, I like Gardner Minshew as much as the next guy. I love Uncle Rico. But why in the world would you wait? Well, and I don't know if you can gauge it, at least factually right now, whether or not they're going to wait. Here's, here's what I would say. I would say after the first couple of preseason games, if it's still Gardner Minshew taking majority of the one-team snaps, then it's going to be Gardner Minshew. But I would not gauge it out of out of yesterday and out of, out of what could be and what could be said. However, Tony, we've been to this spot before. I, I don't want to have to explain to folks why the Colts feel it necessary to dial down Anthony Richardson at the beginning of the season. You want to know that he is ready to get in there and take his lumps. I've said this all along. The only time to me that twice – you can see Gardner Minshew are both bad, and that is the ineffectiveness that we're talking about with a rookie quarterback or right. an injury to the rookie quarterback. Otherwise, I don't want to see him, and I like him just as much as you do, but I don't want to see him. I want to see this guy punch the clock, get in there, and start going with his team and, and can, building for the future. And can we be clear, this is nothing against Gardner at all and no. in any way. This is only, was this year number five for him in the NFL? Yeah. It doesn't make him, you know, this journeyman uh, veteran who's got this crazy levels of unique success under his belt. He's he can play. I'm not yeah. saying no, but what what are we thinking here that that he's the guy that you gotta get started with so you can get let Anthony Richardson ease in? That would lead one to believe that there's something not necessarily physical wrong, but something mental wrong with Anthony Richardson, whether he's got a bit of trepidation, he's having trouble learning the playbook, whatever the case may be. I haven't heard any of that. I'm asking that question as an outsider looking yeah. in. Is is, there, is this a sign of, okay, there's an issue here we just got to do a little more work on? Or is this a sign of, you know what, don't keep your powder dry, don't let any other team know what you're going to do, wait a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is more of a sign of when they said that they're going to bring him along slowly, this is what they would describe as bringing along slowly. And I'll go ahead and segue because I know where you're going to go next. The owner, Jim Ursay, said two weeks ago when he was on a different show that he, he wanted to see Anthony Richardson out there and wanted to see him out there in week number one. So the owner feels the same way as you do, the same way as I do. I just think that they're – just cautiously moving forward here. Don't see much of a need at all to make the call. This guy's going to be the one starter. This guy's going to be the two. 
and we'll see what happens coming up in the week number one. But again, when we get into those preseason games, and then certainly after that, who's taking those one team snaps? That's going to tell the tail of the tape on this too. And again, the owner Jim Ursay wants as much as we do to see Anthony Richardson out there in week number one. And uh, we still have a lot of time to figure that out. Talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana from 93.5107.5, the fan joining us now. um, All of this leads to part number three, which is this guy, Jonathan Taylor. Your offensive output. This is it. This is your guy. And now we're hearing about contract dispute. Will Jonathan Taylor be a Colt this year? Yeah, he will. I mean, first of all, he's got zero leverage, Tony. Um, I, I believe in Jonathan Taylor for this team, and I think he's incredibly important at the top of the list offensively. He's got, however, zero leverage. Now, the most leverage he has, honestly, is here. I'll explain that in a moment. But as far as leverage is concerned, he's got a, a year remaining. Um, you could sit out like Le'Veon Bell did years ago and not get paid. And you know what happens, Tony? You never find that money again. So you're going to go out there. And we can look at it as of right now. He started on PUP. Um, We were unaware that that was going to be the case. Is that kind of what we want to call a hold in? Maybe. Um, We'll see what happens. But the Colts do need him. There's no question about it. They're going to get him this season. Now, after that, how longer term is going to be? Uh, We'll find out. I think ultimately a lot of this is going to work itself out. It's just yesterday when Jim Mercer sent out that tweet about how, you know, uh, collectively bargained this stuff was and painstaking it was and, you know, kind of throwing back at the running backs. And we don't know if that was about Jonathan Taylor or Najee Harris of the Steelers, who really made pointed comments about how the running backs were being devalued and underpaid yesterday. But either way, Jim should probably back off that a little bit because he's got his own house to take care of. And within his own house is Jonathan Taylor. And you can read that, that that was a shot at Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. So I was just, I was just pulling up. You you don't, I think you pull up on that, Tony. I mean, you pull up on that and you don't say it because everybody else knows what you're talking about. But this is Jim Ursay. We're talking about the tweet you're talking about comes from Jim Ursay talking about, you know, uh, basically negotiating in bad and bad faith. And it was Jonathan Taylor's agent who tweeted back. Bad faith is not paying your top offensive player creates issues for his club. Every time he opens his mouth, so why does he keep doing it? Why does the family let, keep, let him keep doing it? And, you know, just like he interjected himself in the Dan Snyder controversy when nobody asked him to, um, why does he keep doing this? Because it seems to the fan, to the outsider, he's making it much more difficult for the club to run. Well, I will tell you why. We've talked about this before. And I don't know if you're in complete agreement with me on this. And we go back to the Daniel Snyder thing and, you know, what he tweeted about yesterday regarding, you know, the CBAs and running backs and, you know, bad faith, good faith or whatever. He wants to be the loudest voice of owners in the NFL. Now, this is just my take on this. Not everybody agrees with me, but I think he wants to be the lead dog among owners that has the loudest voice, you know, kind of that ground that Jerry Jones has occupied for so many years. Jim Mercer wants to be that. If not the top dog, he wants to be on that list of NFL owners that people are going to listen to about issues beyond what's taking place on the field. I thought that that was what yesterday was all about. 
You're going back to Daniel Snyder. Again, he interjected himself in there as if he kind of wanted to lead the owners down that path. And I thought yesterday was a little more commonplace as well as what Jim Ursan wants to be. And that's one of the loudest voices as an owner of the NFL. Because he they call it the shield, okay? And this is this kind of sounds lame at times, but he's defending the shield, the NFL shield. It, 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 he feels like now he's at the top of that list of stewardship among the owners of the NFL. And I think he embraces that, views that as an honor and something that he wants. And I thought yesterday, more so than anything else, that's why he interjected did, himself as he did. It, so let's let's argue that it's true. And I don't I don't know if I agree with the theory, but I certainly find it interesting. I guess in order to be a leader, other people want to follow, and that would include other alphas who are NFL owners. Other people want to follow Jim Mersey? I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm asking if it is possible. No, it is because they did down the path of Daniel Snyder. All the other owners wanted that. Just uh, other owners weren't willing to come out and say anything about it. Um, and with running backs in the NFL and what we're talking about here and, and them complaining about how much money they make and how you know disposable they are as far as rosters are concerned, that to me is pretty close to universal among NFL owners. That's how it's going to be. So it's not like he's stepping out of bounds with a lot of what he's saying here. It was just awkward the way he did it, the time that he picked, and knowing that one of his essential guys is about ready to embark, Tony, on a similar situation, as we've seen with Dalvin Cook, as we've seen with Josh Jacobs, as mm -hmm. we've seen with uh, Austin Eckler, uh, Saquon Barkley. Saquon now Barkley, you're going to have yeah. Jonathan Taylor go down that that path, too. And it just made the whole situation more awkward, Tony, and, than it needed and to And you've be. got McCaffrey in San Francisco saying, I don't want any part of this conversation. I well, just want to learn what the 49ers well, here, need from me and play football. Here's the difference in that, Tony. Here's the difference in that. Uh, uh, you have McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara of New Orleans. They're third down guys, meaning they're pass catchers. They're utilized on the third down. Jonathan Taylor's more of a runner. The third down can make it happen down the field with the pass are more likely to get more money and to be viewed differently as other running backs. So it, Jonathan Taylor really needs to kind of shed that, you know, kind of 1980s running back mentality and be a little bit more versatile, versatile if he wants to get paid at the level in which those guys are because of their versatility. Which would make this year a, a performance year as opposed to yeah. a sit-out year. You, yeah, you wouldn't yes. advise the, the, right. the sit-out, right? No, 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 no. You don't, you, don't get, you don't get that money back, Tony. You don't get that money back. You know what happens? You lose a year in the NFL where basically you get four and a half years anyway and you're out. So you have a short window to make that amount of money. you got to make it right now. So you got to play this year and hope that your level of play is essential, as I believe it to be with this team and a rookie quarterback, as essential to make it necessary for them to view you differently next year when they hopefully bring you back on an extended type of contract. They hope you view, view you differently um, as far as what this offense. And I think they will, too, because they're right about this. And even if his, his agent should have said nothing, right, should have just remained silent because the fans were going to talk for him, do his talking for him, he should have remained silent. But Jonathan Taylor is the number one offensive player on this team. And with a rookie quarterback at some point is going to be starting, that production is going to be vitally necessary. JMV 93.5-1075, the fan, the voice of sports in Indiana. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More is coming up. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today.
if inflation is under control, then why in the world would we see an increase in interest rates? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Always good to be with you. Appreciate you having me for these few hours. Does Bidenomics actually work? Let me bring in a Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will, W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box. Let me start with this, uh, Dr. Will. This is Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, letting you know that interest rates are going up. Since early last year, the FOMC has significantly tightened the stance of monetary policy. Today, we took another step by raising our policy interest rate a quarter percentage point, and we are continuing to reduce our securities holdings at a brisk pace. We've covered a lot of ground, and the full effects of our tightening have yet to be felt. Looking ahead, we will continue to take a data-dependent approach in determining the extent of additional policy firming that may be appropriate. That uh, translated, I believe, sir, is you ain't seen nothing yet. We reserve the right to raise interest rates anytime we want. And anybody who thinks that inflation is under control is out of their minds. Am I right or am I wrong, Dr. Will? I probably would phrase it differently, Tony. I'm shocked. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, we've talked about this battle between Biden and Powell. and, And for two years, Biden's been winning. Powell is now winning, but you heard him say it very clearly. It's not yet under control, but we're getting there. So we got to be honest with the data, Tony. It's getting better. It's still bad, but it's getting better. And, you know, I got to talk about this Bidenomics and this, you know, it's Biden versus Powell. I'm telling you, it's a bunch of battles. Biden was winning for two years. Now Powell's winning. Biden versus Congress. He was winning for two years. Now he's losing. Biden versus private businesses. He was winning for two years. Tony, only only cringe Jean-Pierre could call these losses wins. I mean, to them, night is day, day is night, up is down. You know, these aren't your droids. I mean, we've got a GDP report coming out in a, in a few minutes, and I can tell you it's, there, it's pretty clear what it's going to be, and it's not good Bidenomics in this report that's coming out. Yeah, that report that, that came out uh, t- today. But I think the, the, the question is, does Bidenomics work? The White House is cheering, but Midwest Main Street really isn't. And I will admit to you that it is a bit schizophrenic. We see yeah. the data and then we see the stores and it's all super confusing. And I get it when people say to me, whoa, whoa, whoa what are you complaining about, cats? Everything is kind of awesome out there. I don't believe it's kind of awesome out there. First things first, is Bidenomics working? And could you describe, could you define their guiding principle? Yeah, I can define their guiding principle, and I can tell you if it's working. First, let's see if it's working. So Powell yesterday said real wages are down. You, Tony, you are making less money. That's Bidenomics. Residential spending is down. Tony, that's Bidenomics. Domestic profits for corporations are down. That's Bidenomics. Global profits are down. That's Bidenomics. The only thing that's causing GDP to go up right now, Tony, government spending is up. That's Bidenomics. So I won't qualify whether it's good or bad. Let's just say residential spending down, profits down, profits down globally. You make less money. That's Bidenomics. But the other side of this, as you said, you got to admit to some good news. Inflation is cooling. Did you see something within the last report where we saw inflation at 3% that shows a trend down? Or could this be a momentary blip? And, by, and we should be clear, 
I would rather have Dr. Will talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I would rather have, sir, a trend down. I don't want the blip. What did you see from the reporting? Tony, I, I, I got to take exception with some of this, these, you know, these comments, because you're, you're saying like, oh, well, inflation's better. Tony, that's like saying I'm in the ICU, but they've taken me off the ventilator, but I'm still in the ICU. I'm still in, in risky conditions. You are correct. Things look better. There is I don't know if it's a blip or a trend. I'll tell you in three months, but I can tell you right now things are better, but they're just not as bad as they were six, nine 12 months ago, you shouldn't be happy with this situation, Tony. Business investments are down. Equipment purchases are down. We've had eight consecutive months of contracting U.S. private industry. Tony, you you tell me, how do you want your economy to grow? Through expanded government or through expanded business? I want it to grow through expanded business. Uh, well, it's just, not. Just in case uh, I had to actually answer the question. I didn't want to just leave it hanging there. Um, let me show you something. This uh, right here, I, I was able to find two different um, headlines. So this is CNBC. And CNBC has the headline, Morgan Stanley credits Bidenomics for much stronger than expected GDP growth. Literally 24 hours later, I found this story, why the messaging around Bidenomics might not be working. So, I, if, if I have a group like Morgan Stanley crediting Bidenomics, that is a, an indicator, a signal outward, sir, that this is working, that things are doing better because of Joe Biden's policies. Why would Morgan Stanley lie? Well, okay, they're not lying, Tony. The problem is something you and I have spoken about for, for, for years now, and that is GDP and Keynesian economics. The way GDP is calculated, if the government spends $5,000 on a hammer, Tony, they add $5,000 to the GDP. If you and I spend $15 on the same plan. Sorry about that. We lost you for a second, Dr. Will. Let's, let's, let's bring you back really quick. You were talking about hammers, sir. Yeah, I mean, if the government, according to Keynesian economics, if the hammer, if a government spends five thousand dollars on a hammer, that's five thousand more GDP. If you and I spend fifteen dollars, it's fifteen more. But you and I both know it's just the same hammer. There's a flaw in the way Keynes does things. So therefore, Morgan Stanley's correct, Tony. The GDP is up because of Bidenomics. Because what's Bidenomics? infrastructure spending, American Rescue Plan spending, the Chips and Science Act spending, the Inflation Creation Act spending. Tony, this is a false narrative because when you look at actual businesses, they are not growing, they're shrinking. We have actual data from businesses. The only thing growing is the government. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Uh, So... uh, you are constantly in touch with, with business owners and you're constantly watching uh, factors of, of the market of the economy that those of us who aren't economists uh, don't watch. When Jerome Powell says we're raising uh, the interest rates, the target rate is now five and a quarter to five and a half percent. It's the highest it's been in 22 years. Was there anything in that commentary that I just shared with you or other things you may have heard from Jerome Powell that makes you think they don't believe Bidenomics is working and they're pretty sure that to keep inflation further at bay, we're going to go even higher? 
Yes, because there are two things he said, Tony. One was that real wages are down. I said this earlier, that you and I are making less money. So, yeah, that means Bidenomics isn't working. Now, Cringe will tell you it's great that it's working. He also said that the inflation is not yet under control. It's getting better. Right there, he made two very clear statements that we are not out of the woods. So that's according to Jerome Powell. Now, I'll tell you, I said at the beginning, I'll say it again. He's winning the boxing match at the moment against Biden. But you know what? There's more rounds to go in this fight. One of the things that's that's come up is that when uh, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, uh, put together the, the deal uh, regarding the debt ceiling with uh, Joe Biden, it said that you have to pass all 12 appropriations bills or else basically the penny plan goes into effect. There'll be a 1% cut across the board. Think of it going back to the Obama days and sequestration, uh, that kind of, of conversation. Well, right now there's talk about Biden engaging a couple of vetoes, which would mean that the uh, the rules of the deal are not being adhered to a 1% cut across the board. A 1% cut would mean less spending. Does that mean a better opportunity for the economy? Yes. Now, Tony, it will have a drag on GDP because GDP is this crazy formula. But if the government spends less and private economy spends more, that's good long term for the economy. The economy can only grow when you have private businesses doing their thing. And I'm kind of a fan of this whole thing. You remember, it's a battle. I mentioned in the beginning, it's a battle between Biden and Congress also. And Congress won that battle in the debt ceiling. Now, they didn't do a great win, but they got a win and they slowed down this insane spending by the government and they got this 1% across the board cut. I hope it happens, Tony. I'd be very happy to see the government finally shrink. You, I, I, have we seen that in our lifetime? I, no, 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 no. I, I look, uh, I, 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 I'm with you in theory, but cuts to the military don't make me happy. And and I'm willing if you call me Lindsey Graham, I'm willing to fight you about this. I just I, I don't like the one percent uh, across the board. I want six percent in some spots. I just don't think I want the one percent across the board. But. It looks like it's going to happen. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I appreciate taking the time uh, to be with us. Always appreciate Dr. Will. And, and look, I get that my, my view on the spending might not be others' view on, on the spending. And I can absolutely find my way into saying, you know what? Man, I, I do love a cut. So just take it and run. Someone uh, sent me, and this this didn't happen just yesterday. This happened a while ago, where the Pentagon figured out they had a rounding error, and it turns out they had six billion extra dollars to send to Ukraine. It's like, how how is that a rounding error? On what planet is six billion dollars a rounding error? This is insane. This is insane stuff. How in the world could you come to this place? Six billion dollar rounding error. Well, if you take a total look at, at what the NDAA is, and you take a look at the um, uh, the budget, well, $6 billion, give it is about, you know, close to the 1%. My argument is I'd rather cut $12 billion from a nonsense social program to discuss, you know, that, that studies aborigines uh, and, and, and sexually transmitted diseases. I'd rather get rid of that altogether than lose anything from the military spend. But I'm a guy who likes a cut. Less spending is always better. So if this is the way it's going to be, this is the way it's going to be. Don't, I'm not going to lose sleep.
But the people who want to push military spending cuts right now, I don't think understand where we're at. And I guess that can always be argued. You can always say that. That said, I still don't like it. But I guess I have to accept it. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So, yes, I think that the DOJ has a lot to answer for. I think the DOJ has to answer whether or not they thought they were going to get this deal, this plea deal with Hunter Biden through without the judge asking a question. I think that's absolutely true. Look, I I can't prove it. I get your point. Tony, you can't say that they were colluding together. But I can say that if a plea deal can fall apart from one question from a judge, maybe the hope was we could just get this through, claim that Hunter Biden has immunity from all potential charges, and move on. Do the president a solid. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Always good to be here, guys. The judge asking the question, hey, uh, this 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 gun charge, right? That's 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 not in my lane. But does this preclude him from getting charged with other possible crimes? And the DOJ actually had to answer honestly, and they said no. No, Hunter could be charged with other crimes. To which Hunter Biden's team went nuts and said the words, We'll tear this thing up. That's an irrational response. It is the irrational response that sends one off down, a, 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 if you will, a, a level of tangent. The irrational response will tear this up. What do you mean you'll tear this up? What do you mean you'll tear this up? You're the ones who need the plea deal. The sweetheart plea deal, whatever you want to call the thing, you're the ones who need this to go away for the sake of Hunter Biden's father, President Biden, who's running for re-election. Well, so they say. I'm not one of the guys who believes he's going to be off the ticket, although I'm willing to accept any possibility. Because the person they keep telling me they're going to replace Joe Biden with is Gavin Newsom. And I don't know how the Republican Party does this and stays together. They replace the oldest white guy they've got with a middle-aged white guy in this Democratic Party? I'm sorry. I, I don't know how I'm supposed to accept that as rational. It is as irrational as Eric Adams, the mayor of New York. It's really a climate uh, disaster that we're seeing firsthand across the globe. We need to be clear when we talk about uh, hot weather. Uh, Heat kills uh, more New Yorkers every year than any other kind of extreme weather event. And access to cooling is a matter of life and death. So it's hot out. And of course, it's a climate disaster. You've heard me argue this stuff before. These people, they don't stop, they don't rest, they don't quit. They don't care. Facts, logic, reason, data, hotter temperatures than this, hotter years than this, they don't care. It doesn't mean anything. Whatever moves their ideology along. It's despicable stuff. It's despicable that you could have a plea deal fall apart and as as, uh, people have, have mentioned... Look, you've got one or two options here. Now, Hanlon's razor, like, you know, it's Occam's razor. Hanlon's razor says never uh, ascribe to malice 
what you could simply put to stupidity, to ignorance. It's very possible the people who put together this plea deal are just schmucks. Of course it's possible that they're just a bunch of schmucks. But if the judge doesn't ask the question and the plea deal goes through, they play along that Hunter Biden gets immunity from any further charges? Was that the plan? So much so that when they came up with the second plea deal, the judge couldn't accept it and said, Hunter, do you understand that if you have any breach of, of, your, uh, of, of this plea deal, any breach, which of course the dude's going to, he's not allowed to do any drugs or alcohol for two years. Of course he's going to have a breach. That since this, this gun part, I would have to, I wouldn't be able to, to rule on, the whole thing would be seen as unconstitutional. You're not going to get any protections. This deal is funny from the beginning. The sweetheart part of it as we know it, or as we knew it. But now we have to ask ourselves whether or not the Hunter Biden defense team and the, the DOJ tried to pull a fast one on the judge. I don't have the answer to that. But I'm curious how the judge feels about that. And I'm curious what kind of retribution may come. Find it all at TonyCats.com. Everybody, it's just that easy to do. K-A-T-Z, TonyCats.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.